This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. Good morning, River Church. Man, that's some powerful stuff, wasn't it? God is so good and kind to us, man. I am, I'm just excited to be here with you today. I hope that you're excited to be here today. We are, as you've heard us talk about, we are in Advent season, and you might be wondering, uh, what is Advent season? Um, it's basically a time, um, that word Advent means the expecting or anticipation of the arrival of an important person um, or event. And so this is, as Christians, what Advent means for us is we are anticipating the arrival of our Savior coming on Christmas Day, but not just on Christmas Day, but coming again one day for us. And so in this season, we slow down, we anticipate, we feel all the things that who God is and what he has done. And so we have some ways that we hope to help you with that. If you didn't get an Advent devotional, we have them out there for you on the Welcome Center um, where you got your coffee. And so as you're getting your, your fill up before you leave, make sure you grab one of those and just walk through it every day. Um, that's for you. And so um, what we want to do is just slow down in this busy season and feel the weight of what God has done for us and who he is and, and his goodness for us. And so that's what we're doing. And we're calling this series our Family Traditions series. And the reason why we're calling it Family Traditions is because we believe or we know that Advent and the Christmas season reveals some things to us as Christians that we get to partake in as members of the family of God. And so there are, based on the very fact that you and I are Christians here today, we get, uh, we have blessings and family traditions passed down to us from our Father. And so we're just kind of talking about some of those traditions, some of the things that he passes down to us, just that we just get based on the very simple fact that we are members of the family of God, which is so cool. And so um, if you weren't here last week, I'll give you a refresher. We talked about the family tradition of hope, that we have a God who hears us, we have a God who sees us, and we have a God who doesn't just hear us and see us, although that in of itself is pretty special. We have a God who has intervened on our behalf into this world. And so we have a God who has intervened in human history, and the proof of that, simply enough, is Jesus, God in the flesh, come to set us free. And so because of that, as members of the family of God, we can have the tradition that's passed down to us is that we have hope in all circumstances. And, and, and no matter what happens in this life, no matter what comes against you, no matter what you face, we have hope in all circumstances because we have a God who hears you, who sees you, who has intervened on your behalf and who is still intervening on your behalf. So as we continue in family traditions, one thing I was thinking about was a family tradition that I had growing up in church as a kid. And if you grew up in, if you grew up going to church, you probably had to do this too. Uh, anybody ever have to partake in a kid's Christmas play? They're a lot of fun, aren't they? They're pretty much one of those things where you feel really bad for the teachers because you're like, this has got to be a nightmare every week trying to corral these kids and making them like, just like, just learn lines. Like just me, like imagine me trying to teach me to learn lines. Like it was crazy, right? And so I think of that. And then, and then you have the deal where you have the actual Christmas play where the kids get up and they do the Christmas play. And the whole time, all the parents, you know, we're so proud and excited, but then everybody else is just like anticipating disaster. You know what I'm talking about? Like this could go crazy. One kid could go off the rails and just scream and cry and it's happened, right? And so I remember that, but I joke about it, but those were so much fun, and those are some actually really special memories that I have uh, just growing up with that. Another family tradition that we kind of did every single year, and maybe you've done these as well, um, was going to see a live nativity scene. Anybody ever do that? 
There was a church right down the street from us, and every year they did a live nativity scene. And they did it right. I mean, they had, like, camels and stuff. And I don't know where they got the camels. Like, they flew them in from, like, Saudi Arabia. Is that where camels come from? I'm not sure. Okay. Um, the camel. Do, do we have camels in America? Do we? Nesno, maybe? I don't know. You can tell I'm not great at geography. But anyways, they had everything. They had the camels. They had uh, the angels. They didn't get a real angel, but they had an angel. They had Mary, Joseph, um, wise men. Um, thanks for that laugh. Um, they had wise men. And of course, they had the shepherds that were there. And if, But if you look at the crowd of people that are in the, the nativity scene, like, I know we're kind of used to it. We're familiar with it. And so, yeah, of course, the angels there, the shepherds are there, the wise men. You know, it just kind of, we get used to it. But if you really look at the crowd of people that's at this nativity scene, does it ever strike anybody as kind of being weird? Right? Like, anybody anybody think that that's weird? I mean, you've got, um, <laughs> you've got the wise men, of course, but then you've also got, like, shepherds. You've got animal. I mean, it's just, doesn't that seem like a weird grouping of people? to be at the birth of the king of kings? Anybody? Like here we have the, the birth of the king of kings and on the scene are his mom and dad, which makes sense. But then you have angels. Again, makes sense. And then you got animals, shepherds, the wise men. They're always in the nativity scenes, but they weren't actually there yet. So we'll talk about that next week. And then like all this is kind of happening. And, and, and on top of all of this, like the very first people that God announces the arrival of the king of kings to, did y'all catch that in the reading that Tyson did, which that was powerful, was it not? But you have the arrival of the king of kings and the first people that God announces this to are like Jesus, boom, angels show up and tell the shepherd, like, let's, let's just read it again. Luke chapter two, six through 14. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then they gave birth to her firstborn son and she wrapped him in snuggle, snuggly in cloth and laid him in a feeding trough because there is new, no room for them in the lodging place. In the same region, so this just happens, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, a savior who is the Messiah of the Lord is born for you. He was born for you. And the city of David, and this will be a sign for you, and you will find a baby wrapped in snuggly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angels praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to the people he favors. Think about in your own life, some of the biggest moments, some of the most exciting things that have ever happened to you. Some of the like, like, you know, graduations and marriages and the births of children and just on and on and on, like just these events that have taken place in your own life. Like whenever those things happen, who did you want to tell first? Think about that. Like, like I think about when we got found out that we were pregnant with Gideon and then Judah later on, it was very important to us, to Katie and I, who we told this information to. And not only was it very important who we told this information to, it was important to us in what order we told this information to right? Like, because if you get out, you tell the wrong person first, and it gets out of here, then you're going to have these people upset over here, and they're going to have these people mad. You go, why do you tell me? I, I thought you loved me more than them. Are I more important? Are I high up or on the ladder, right? You know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Yeah. Some of us know a little bit too well, right? 
And so it was very important to us how we, like not just who we told, but in what order we told this to. And so Katie and I, I remember talking about like clever ways that we're going to try to tell people, hey, we're having a kid. And I remember when we told my mom and dad, we gave them like this little box with like a avocado in it or something. I don't even remember. And like they just didn't even get it. Like it was like, they're like, oh, thank, thank you. We're having a kid, <laughs> like, but but it matters, like, and and what I would imagine is that it probably is the same for you at these important moments in your life. I bet you care about who knows about them, and I bet that you care in what order people find out. Who you tell first matters, and I think that it would at least be somewhat important to God as well who He told first that the King was here. I think that God, I don't think God does anything on accident. I think God was purposeful in who he chose to tell first. Because here we have the most important thing happening in human history up to this point, God in the flesh, the arrival of Jesus. And I know that we're all used to the story at this point, but just imagine reading this for the first time. Imagine reading this for the first time. You're reading, you're like, okay, God in the flesh is here. God's here. Who's he going to tell first? God's going to, oh, he's going to announce this to somebody important. He's going to tell this to the kings and queens, right? No, he doesn't. Okay, well, maybe the religious elite, like they've been looking for Jesus. Maybe, maybe he's going to tell them. No, okay. Um, rich people, they're important. Maybe he'll tell some, no, athletes. Athletes are important. Maybe he'll tell the athletes first. Go Cowboys. And then can you might no, not the at, no, the shepherds? Oh, I guess they were just around. Maybe they were up late. So God was like, I'll tell them, right? I think that God does this on purpose. I think this matters, who he chose to tell this to first, because who he tells first, what I, I, I think, I think it's very interesting because I think it sets a tone and reveals to us something about who Jesus is going to be for his lifetime here on earth. He could have told kings, he could have told rulers, he could have told the rich, he could have told the religious elite, but he chooses to tell shepherds first. And to understand why this is such a strange thing, why this is such a big deal, you have to understand who shepherds were. They, they weren't exactly like first-class citizens. As a matter of fact, they weren't really somebody that you would invite to your Christmas party. And yet there's somebody, there are people that God invites to the very first Christmas party. When we understand who shepherds are, we'll understand that they were actually the least likely people, at least from our human understanding. Like These are people who are, when we learn about them, they're on the edge of society. Like I kind of liken them to kind of like circus freaks. Nothing wrong with the circus. I like the circus. They were on the margins of society. They were outcasts. They were untrusted people. Check this out. They were so mistrusted that their testimony was inadmissible in court. Like, imagine that. Like, you, your family gets robbed or something happens to your family, and they're like, oh, don't worry. Somebody saw it. We got a witness. Awesome. Let's get them in court. Let's get the, let's arrest the people. Who was it? Oh, it was some shepherds. Oh, Okay, well, let's see if we can find somebody else. So mistrusted that their testimony was inadmissible at court. Jewish people, as a matter of fact, mistrusted them so much that they wouldn't buy milk, lamb, or wool from them because they're shepherds, and they assumed that if they had milk, wool, or lamb to sell, they probably just stole it from the flock. Matter of fact, they were so looked down on that early first century Jews literally thought God just didn't like them. 
despite the fact that like David was a shepherd. You ever think about that? But so here we have these people that the, the world around them looked at them and just like, God doesn't like those people. Not exactly the people we're inviting over for dinner <laughs> and definitely not who you would expect God to announce the coming of the king of kings to first. And if the time comes for God to announce to the world that he has arrived and he goes to the forgotten, he goes to the excluded, he goes to the outsider. And when we see the life of Jesus, this just sets the tone for the pattern of who he's going to be. Over and over, as we look at Jesus' life, he goes to the one who's living on the margin. Over and over, he goes to the one who's forgotten, welcoming into the kingdom of God the ones who others have written off. And we understand his heart behind this in Mark chapter 2, whenever somebody approaches him, one of the religious elite approaches him and, and basically asks him that question, God, why, or Jesus, why are you hanging out with all these kinds of people? Like, they're, don't you know they're trash? He didn't say it quite like that, but, but essentially, don't you know that they're worthless? Don't you know that, why are you hanging out with them? And Jesus' response in Mark chapter 2, 17 is, those who are well don't need a doctor, but the sick do need one. I didn't come to call the righteous, but the sinners. There's no point in going to the doctor if you're not sick, is what Jesus is saying. And he's saying, he's saying if you go to a doctor when you're not sick, right? If you and I went to the doctor and we're not sick, you're wasting my time because there's people who need me. You're wasting my time because there's people who are sick and I want to help them. And there's people who are upset with Jesus because they think that God in the flesh should be hanging out with the good guys. That God in the flesh should be like, man, I'm really impressed at how awesome you are. I want to be with you. And yet what we see is a Jesus and a God who comes for the messed up, the screwed up, the ones who need him and his message to them, his message and the very fact that he announces, in my opinion, the coming of his son first and foremost is what he's saying is you're never too far gone for me. And to the shepherds, he's saying, I came for you too. That anyone in this world, anyone, no matter where you are, no matter how far you're gone, no matter where you are in life, can look at this story and if we understand it correctly, can say, God came for them, that means that maybe he came for me too. But did you, did you guys catch the response of the shepherds to the arrival of the glory of God? Luke 2, 8 and 9 says, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. And the angel of the Lord stood before them. And this is where they get scared. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. It's the presence of God in this space. And the Bible says, And they were terrified. And let me just say that that's the correct response. You say, why? Why are they, why is it that the presence of God, that word glory, it also can mean, be translated, the weight of God. It's the, it's the presence of God in this space. The, the, the correct response to this is that they are terrified. And you say, well, why are they terrified? Why is, why is that the right response? Because they're exposed. One problem that we see in the New Testament when people are interacting with Jesus is that he deals with a lot of people who think they have it all together. 
He deals with a lot of people who would expect, who, people that we would probably think that God would want to announce his coming to first. And he deals with a lot of people who think they're already God, good, a lot of people who already think they have God's favor. <laughs> and what he deals with is a lot of people who are comparing themselves to other people around them and going, I'm better than that guy. I'm better at being good than that guy, so I must be all right. But what happens when the presence of God shows up when the glory of God shows up in a space, we get exposed. You see your sin. You see your failing. You see your weakness as you stand next to a perfect God. When the glory of God shows up, you see who you really are. And what looked like perfect and nice and fancy and all good next to a perfect and holy God looks like trash. It's like those commercials you guys ever, I don't even know if they do them anymore, but those commercials where they'd show like a white t-shirt, you know what I'm talking about? They'd have the white t-shirt and like, does this look white to you? This is a white, nice white t-shirt. And they're like, here's a shirt that's washed in gain. You know what I'm talking about? We don't use gain in my house. It's not a commercial, right? Like, here's a shirt that looks like, and you look at that and you're like, no, that's a white t-shirt. That one's trash. You know what I'm talking about? When you're standing next to something that is truly pure, you're standing next to something that is truly perfect, you're standing next to something that is truly holy, what happens is, oh, I thought this was a white t-shirt, but this is a dirty t-shirt. I need to throw this thing away. And when we stand in the presence of a holy God, what's revealed is us. And so the shepherds are terrified (laughs) because they're exposed. And this wouldn't just happen to the shepherds, it would happen to any one of us. And they're terrified, not just because they're exposed, but because in the Old Testament, when people stand in the glory of God and they have sin and they're imperfect, you know what happens to them? God's presence kills them because God engulfs and destroys sin. As a matter of fact, there's kind of a, I think it's a funny story. It's probably not funny in the, in the time period, but they, would do, they used to do sacrifices to God to kind of for purification of sin and not, not really to, it didn't really cause purification. But it was kind of like a holdover kind of deal. And so they had the temple and they'd send a priest into the Holy of Holies. And whenever he would go in there, if he had sin in his heart that hadn't been cleansed or forgiven, the presence of God would kill him. Imagine that job. <laughs> and so what they would do is they would literally, I think this is funny. They probably didn't think it was funny. They would tie a rope around his ankle, like a long rope with a bell. And so he would go into the temple. He'd walk in and hear, jingle, 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 jingle. Jingle, 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 jingle. He just was tying a shoe. Jingle. (laughs) And then if you heard nothing, all right, boys, let's pull them out. The shepherds know this. (laughs) When the glory of God shows up, they're thinking, this is where we die. But the angel doesn't say, this is where you die. The angel says something else. Verse 10, he says, but the angel said to them, don't be afraid for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for, one of my favorite parts, all people. Today, a savior who is the Messiah, the Lord, was born for you in the city of David and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. And suddenly, this is cool. Suddenly there was a multitude in the heavenly host, the angels praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth 
to people he favors. Like, this is so cool because they're like, don't worry. You don't have to be afraid. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. Today in a manger, there is a baby who is born. And from this point on out, everything is different. Let's party. Did you guys catch that? Because they say this, they're like, <laughs> they end it and they say, the baby's going to be born, everything's different. And then suddenly, could you imagine that if you're the shepherd's like angel talking and then suddenly, boom, sky filled with angels. I mean, that had to be one of the coolest moments in human history. Because you have these angels who have been waiting for centuries for the arrival of the king, and now they get to tell the shepherds, and they get to party and celebrate and worship. Like, this was no, angels we have heard. That's not what's happening. Do you understand? This is a party in the sky, people, because everything is different now. The king is here, and he's not just here for certain people, the perfect people, the right. He's here for all people. And that is great news. Fear not, I bring you good news. Not just good news, but the best news ever heard in human history that God hasn't come to earth to expose us to kill us. But God has come to expose us that he might save us. John 3.17, for God did not send his son into the world that he might condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And the glory of God, ultimately Jesus in the flesh, doesn't come that night to destroy us for our sin. That's what the shepherds are thinking is about to happen. He doesn't come to destroy us for our sin, but to save us from our sin, to rescue us and to give us peace with God. You say peace with God, yeah, because our sin makes us enemies of God. Say, oh, so God hates me? No, you hate God. Colossians 1, 21 and 22 says this, once you were alienated and hostile in your minds, do you see why? Because of your evil actions. We were alienated from God. We were hostile towards God. We hated God because of our evil actions. But now, the Bible says, he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. How cool is that? We were alienated a bit from God because of our actions, but God, but God, but God. And now we get to be benefits of that. Man, our actions made us enemies of God, the reason why the shepherds were afraid of God, rightly so. But God took action to come into this earth that by his action, we don't have to be afraid of God anymore. That by his action, we don't have to be afraid of God anymore, but we can rejoice and we can worship at his presence. That when the presence of God shows up, our response isn't fear. But when the presence of God shows up, our response is worship, worship, worship. And then we can find forgiveness of sin because the blood of the cross that has taken us from enemies to living at peace with God. God's presence and glory shows up and it exposes us and it shows us how unworthy we are. And that's not a bad thing. That is a wonderful thing because it shows us how much we need him. That's why the angels say this is good news because we have to understand that even the best of us are nothing before God. Even the best of us when we're exposed are frauds, but he doesn't expose us to hurt us, to embarrass us, or to kill us. He exposes us to heal us. 
for us to find freedom so that we can find peace. Why? Because Jesus said only the sick need a doctor, but if you don't understand that you're sick, you won't ever think you need a doctor. If you don't understand that you need God, you won't ever run to him for peace, for forgiveness, for healing. And so River Church, this Christmas, if you're a Christian, what I want you to know is that the family tradition that we get to partake in, the family tradition that God passes down to us through his son, Jesus, is peace with God. Let me tell you, man, many families don't have that. For a lot of people, the presence of family in our lives, man, we think of Christmas seasons and hanging out with family, it makes us anxious and stressed and maybe even angry, maybe it exposes some pain. And we think of Christmas as a, as a time to get through, not really to enjoy but that's not true in the family of God. In the family of God, we have peace with our Father, and His presence doesn't hurt us. His presence doesn't make us afraid. The presence of our Father in this place and in our lives brings us peace because He came for the unexpected. He came for the shepherd. He came for you. He came for all. And when He comes, He reveals to us our imperfection before him so that we may find peace through him. What's really cool is the rest of that chapter, verse 2, 15 through 20. It says, when the angels left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So the angels tell them the story. They party for a while. I don't know how long it goes on, but they party and worship and celebrate. And as soon as the angels leave, the shepherds are like, let's go see this baby. And they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. And after seeing him, they reported the message that, were told, that was told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had told them. Do you see what just happened there? I just told you at the beginning of this that shepherds weren't even trusted for their testimony. And now you got people who are being amazed and worshiping for what the shepherds are telling them. Only God does cool stuff like that, right? But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. And then this is the key verse right here. The shepherds returned home, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, just as they had been told. The shepherds go from being terrified because of their sin to worshiping the King of Kings. What I would say this morning for us is the only correct response to this is to worship our God, don't you think? The only correct response for this is for us as Christians to respond to him and worship because Jesus came for all people to bring all people <laughs> peace. And for you and me, River Church, this is not just good news, but this is the best news. And so we're going to worship this morning and we're going to just praise God for who he is and what he has done in Jesus and I want to tell you this morning, if you don't have peace, today's the day you can find that peace. I don't know where you are with God. Maybe you're walking strong, you're doing great, and everything's good. And we, let's just worship and party and celebrate him. Maybe today you're going, man, I don't, I don't really, maybe you're even a Christian, but you're like, I just don't feel like I have that peace. I want you to find that today. Maybe you're not even a Christian in this, in this space. You're like, I don't even know, I don't even have a clue about the peace that he's talking about. God can offer you that peace today. And so let's just worship our God. Let's praise him.
that he came for all, not just the specific good ones, but he came for all people and that in his presence we can respond in worship, not fear, because he has brought us peace, River Church. Let's stand together and let's worship our God today.